it's always an honor to step in the house that <laughs> built you and preach in the main service. So uh, we don't ever take that lightly. We're going to preach it the same way uh, to a younger person, to a middle-aged person, to an older person. The Word of God is going to reveal itself to you however old you are because we're always learning and we're always going forward. So I just want to thank this house and my pastors for raising me, putting up with me, believing in me, ordaining me. I know that took a lot. Uh, <laughs> maybe some more power will fly out of here today. <laughs> so I just thank my father and I thank this house and all the family and all the friends. Man, I get to see my buddy over here. I slapped him in the butt walking up here. He thought it was uh, from the Holy Spirit because there wasn't nobody behind him. <laughs> but David's here and Robert, man, so it's an honor. Well, as always, I give you a title, okay? So before we start this, this message, which is an, it goes along with the series that we're doing, it's kind of hard to follow some of the where we've come from, but you do understand we've come from lost and found. Then I do believe we went from lost and found into, uh, let's see, not finding the one. We called it something else. What was it? Lost and found. Help me, Sean. Uh, 99 to 1. He helped me with one. Uh, God needs you to God wants you. Thank you. He told me that today. And then uh, our series is Land of the Lost. So... I know we came off of Easter, and I love this because it's the beginning of forever, right? So now is the beginning of forever. Well, tonight, we're going to say it this way. Easter's over. Now what? So that's what we're going to do. Oh, there it is. <laughs> I knew Beck would have that ready. So I love this because, you know, I, I knew it was going to flow with what God was doing in our service, and there's no difference really in ours and this one. And so I've got something to say that I know is going to be powerful. It's going to flow right with what we're talking about because, you know, whether you know it or not, we prepare the young adults to do exactly what we do in here. It's no different. Our heart's the same. We're going after the one. So let's talk a little bit about what I want to say before I get started really preaching. Now, I don't know if y'all know it, but we had a a wonderful Easter message. I, I, I enjoyed this Easter better than I ever have, even though I got my tail handed to me by my own son in a barbecue contest. That's okay. That's what's supposed to happen, I suppose. <laughs> but it was an amazing message. It was probably, in my opinion, the most powerful Easter message I've heard up to this point. But then I'm never where I was last year, so I'm growing, so it was probably going to be more powerful next year because I'm not where I was or not then, now, whatever. You know what I mean. I'm going to be a little older, more mature, and I'll be like, hey, that means more to me now than it did then. So, um, I just wanted you to know something got inside of me, and I'm going to tie this together. And at the end, I'm going to wrap it all together. It's going to make a whole lot of sense. Now, how many people know there's a new pope? Oh, y'all are informed. I thought I was, I was behind. Randy, do you know there's a new pope? Okay. See, I don't keep track of a lot of that stuff, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about him in a minute, and then I'm going to preach a little bit. I'm going to tell you something else, and we're going to wrap it all together. It's going to go into this, um, this message, but I want to look at the main scripture. This is the main, if we were talking homiletics, this is the passage we've been studying on going after the one. Let's look at Luke 15, starting with three. We'll follow up here. Unless you get your iPhone or whatever device that has the Bible. That's cool, too. Luke 15 and 3, and we're just going to talk about this because I've got I to put some things together first. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, 
What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one, which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost." I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. That's about where we stop. Now, we've said this before. We're, we're, we're laying this foundation of going after the one. And it's getting in our hearts. You know, um, I didn't realize this, and maybe this is just me, but I thought there were three parables here. In actuality, there's one parable, but three main consistent themes, or you could say three main things that are exactly the same. Now, I thought those were three separate parables. Does anybody else think that, or is it just me? Maybe I should read the Bible more. There's one parable. Three things that are exactly the same, and let me just tell you what they are. They're all lost. So our series is Land of the Lost. This one's now, Easter's over, now what? So... Okay, they're all three lost. Well, what I like to do, and there's two different ways we're going to look at this. I want to examine, and this is what we're doing, what the main theme in these are. I told, and, and, and when I preach this, I want you to see the Father's heart, and I want you to see your heart. See, all three are lost. You understand the sheep. It doesn't make any sense for a shepherd to leave 99, and go after one. In the natural, it doesn't make sense, because if you count your losses, it wouldn't be that bad. In fact, if I was a mathematician, I don't know, Lee, what would that be, one out of 100? Is that 1%? 1%. I don't know, if I was a farmer and I lost 1%, I probably wouldn't be that mad. If I lost 10%, I might be getting a little concerned. But in the natural, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to leave 99 that we've talked about unprotected, but they're together, and go after this one. So you got to look at this. What, what's the Father's heart? And then what is it that's valuable about the one? And then there's a lost coin. And then there's the prodigal son. But there's two sons in that story that he deals with. All three are lost. We're not going to spend much time there. I'll get to the rest. One thing I want you to see is the value of a man's soul in the one. I mean, it had to be. It had to be value to leave, or valuable to leave 99. It had to be. And then the persistence of the one who went after the one that was lost to win that soul back. I mean, why, does it, why is it in heaven they, they rejoice more over one who repents than 99 doing what they're supposed to be doing? See, that's why I love being taught in this body because a lot of what we were taught was, and my wife teaches me every day, uh, I don't get, now I don't know in, in y'all's marriage if it's different. We have a saying in my house, you don't get stroked, you get stoked. So if I do something good, she's like, yeah, fool, you were supposed to do that. And I'm like, but every time I do it wrong, you gripe me out. When I finally do it right, I was looking for, oh, oh thank you, most heavenly husband. Dude, oh, come on, are you serious? Uh, that has never happened in 15 years. So, you know, 99, that's being the body, that's doing what they're supposed to do together, and together they're 
stronger in numbers. I don't know that they need that. And if they did need that, I'd be a little concerned about them anyway. But I love the, heart, the, the Father's heart in the value. You've got to look at the value of the one. Why is he valuable or it or them? And two, the persistence of the soul winner to go after him. So we'll get to some cool things here in a minute. Look at, look at the Father's heart in this. I do believe, and, we, and Ace preached a really good message last week, and, and he, he basically said kind of what I said when he first got saved. He was kind of like me. He didn't like children. In fact, he said he didn't even like people. And there he is in this body with a whole bunch of people <laughs> that he loves now. Now, let me tell you why he loves them now. Because the Father's heart got in his heart the same way it did to me. Because I did not like children. And then you grow up and God gives you 11 teenagers. Because now his heart's in my heart. <laughs> Either that or he's just really messing with me. But no, the truth is, you've got to see that. See, it takes a little time for the Father's heart to get into your heart. That's why we talked about the great commandment takes time, great commission to go and do what we're supposed to do. So be thinking of that as we kind of go into this. But just so you understand, let's go to the next scripture. Make no mistake about it, folks. Jesus came here for one thing, and that was to save the lost. Absolutely. Didn't come to save the, the saved and the righteous. He was after the lost. So let's look at another scripture in Mark 2 and 17, and then we'll get into the fun stuff. Mark 2 and 17. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick... I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So he's saying, look, if you're doing good and you're well, I didn't come for you. I came for the ones who are sick, laid up in sickness or sin or disease or whatever bondage or whatever it is they need. He didn't come for the ones that are the 99 that are okay. His heart is always for the one. And it takes a little time to get that in you. So just remember, all three of those are lost. We're in the land of the lost, but it's after Easter. You know, Easter's a big deal. It is it, in, in, in our circle, for sure, because there's two big, from what we do, two big days that we celebrate. And then after Easter, it kind of seems like it's just like, where did that go? But we understand from Easter service that we are empowered, and if you can see what you've received, you understand what you are out there. But it does seem like it dies down, right? Just kind of a big hoopla and then just kind of But it's not supposed to be. So I'm going to lay some foundation and then we'll really preach because this just jumped in me. How many people know the new pope picked a name that has never been chosen before? Pope Francis. Man, you guys, let y'all teach me this stuff. You know, the thing about this guy is that he said something I'm going to tell you here in a minute that just jumped out at me. He was elected on the 13th, or actually the 13th of March, 2013, and he repeatedly stressed concern for the poor and others on the margins of society. And when he says others, he's talking about the outcast and the sick and the, the, the well, what I love about him is he goes after and hugs and kisses all these uh, cripples and the degenerates and the the single moms that the rest of the church wouldn't touch, and he's over here talking to them, and these all these cardinals are getting mad at him. But he, um, 
his central theme. He got to preach. I mean, it was right around Easter, man. So he gets to preach an Easter message, and I looked at it. It was almost the exact same as Pastor Burke pre- preached. I was like, for real? What's the coincidence of that? But I didn't want to say everything he said. So His thing was hope, and it was in the resurrection. He said to go out to every house and to every family, especially where the suffering is the greatest, in hospitals and prisons. Sound like he knew what the commission was. He knew that you were supposed to visit the hospitals and the sick, visit the prisoners, don't forsake the orphans or the widows. He knew what he's supposed to do. His first day, he, I can't say this word, made everybody mad. He visited a youth detention center in Rome. Big place where all these kids are locked up. And you know, what he's supposed to do, being he's the Pope, is they're supposed to wash his feet. Well, he chose to change tradition. And he washed 12 inmates' feet. And he chose two girls. Now that really made the Catholic Church mad. Not females, man. Uh, Anyway, I'm going to say the rest. So he, <laughs> he broke the right, and he represented Jesus as his final act of humility to his disciples. But this dude walks a different way. And instead of traditional speech, he interacted with the crowd. He didn't go up on the top of this, what is it? Uh, yeah, but the name of the thing, I can't think of it. The balcony of something with a B. Basilica, that's the big word, thank you. <laughs> I don't look like a dummy in front of everybody. <laughs> And instead of getting up on his platform and giving a speech, he went down in the crowd of 250,000 people in the square, and he interacted with them. That's when he hugged all the ones that were sick, and he stopped, and he talked to the ones that nobody would look at because they're over there in the dark corner smoking cigarettes and doing some other stuff. And then he's supposed to get up on his platform, and he's supposed to do something to the cardinals. Well, number one, this dude didn't even wear the robe that they gave him that was adorned. He wore regular clothes. And not only that, Josh, the dude didn't get up on the platform. He stood eye to eye with them and talked to them like real people. And they got mad at him because he didn't elevate himself. The Pope. He's supposed to have the do-goods, I mean, the threads, man. And he didn't allow him to wash his feet. He will not live in the luxurious apartment in that Vatican. Thank you. I didn't know. (laughs) But the main thing is this. Now catch this. You thought I just threw all this in there because I didn't have a sermon to preach. This is what I saw two weeks ago or maybe three when my son was having a surgery on TV. And I was like, no way. Got on my phone and texted the pastor. He told his priest, and I'll tell you this. He said, you go look for the lost sheep. He said, and he added, when you come back, you better smell like those sheep. Now pause. Sila. You go and get off your butt, cardinals and bishops and on down the line, and you go after them lost sheep. This is the first thing he said on TV. I'm sitting there watching it. He says, and when you return... You better smell like a lost sheep. So I guess that means he was saying, dust off whatever you ain't been doing and go into some places, and this is the way he put it, in the, amid the people in the muck of life. Muck of life. I think that's an undesirable place where people hang out. 
Where'd you go today? Oh, I was hanging out in the muck. Well, who was there? Well, a bunch of degenerates. Uh, my dad always called them unscrupulous characters. Reminds me when I went to my buddy's, uh, <laughs> me and Ace were talking about this. We followed one of our friends. He's a Christian musician, but we followed him everywhere, dude. Oh, Lord. Some places you just wouldn't think to go. And one time I opened the door and it was this blacked out. And now I think about it, it was a creepy place. It was all blacked out. It was a metal building. Nobody was around it. Two cop cars were outside. Dude was getting arrested. I opened the door. And I'm looking in through the smoke. Is there so-and-so here? And I, yeah, he's on stage. And he, he said, when I opened the door, I was like, oh, he thought, he's like, he looked at you, man. There was dudes on the couches over here, dudes over here. They're all in black doing some things that they were just closer to God. They were higher than most people. Okay. I was like, hey, y'all seen a so-and-so? Yeah, man. I looked at us. Oh, that's the muck. <laughs> well, I didn't freak out. Ah! The name of Jesus. I went in there and sat down and watched him play. It was amazing. The dude can play, right, Ace? And they didn't know that he was actually singing Christian lyrics, but <laughs> it was so hard and heavy music. They were just like, keep on smoking, baby. The word can penetrate anything. So, this dude is the first non-European pope of modern era, the first Jesuit. I don't know much about the Jesuit order other than they're a little bit more charismatic like us. And he's the first to, to assume the name of St. Francis, which was a, about humility. Uh, he has a hallmark of, of humility. Now, I'm going to attach some words to what I'm going to tell you that his attributes are. You think about that, and then I'll preach. He has a hallmark of humility and simplicity. There's something, this is what was quoted, there is something wonderfully new about him. God told me he's attractive to the world. There's something wonderfully new. And I'll give you some background here in a minute how, how statistically bad the Catholic Church has been doing lately. Dude, is that my water? Um, it's going down my shirt. If I have a big wet spot on me, it's because I just spilled this water. Okay. Here's this quote that he put for, on a webpage. Have the courage to walk in the presence of the Lord with the cross of the Lord to build the church on the blood of the Lord, which is shed on the cross, and to profess the one glory that Christ crucified. I, t I put down, that sounds like a statement of faith. Uh, did y'all get anything different than we hear here? Have your statement of faith intact. No, salvation, repentance, and how the Holy, Holy, Holy Ghost is just a normal operation and how to hear him and use him every day. That's a statement of faith. Um, he said, Christ has conquered evil fully and definitely, definitively, but it's up to us to welcome this victory into our lives in the realities of history and society. I said, that reminds me of our victory series, that we have victory because he overcome. And we have the faith in the fact that he did. Now, these guys chuckle at him. He heard all this, all this laughter was reported down the hall. St. Peter's Square, after he concluded the gathering by saying, Thank you. Have a great lunch. Everybody bust out 
laughing. He didn't say anything religious. He didn't do anything out of the ordinary. I put, he's got humor. And I remember this last sermon. That pastor just said something I had no, I had never heard before. Now, I know Jesus showed up to Mary Magdalene. I know he showed up to the two walking down the road. I know he then showed up to the disciples. But I didn't know that when he went up in the upper room, he said, hey, Thomas, look up, dude. See this? That's a hole. Go ahead and touch it. Everybody didn't say nothing. He's like, hey, want to eat? Did y'all know he said that? He said that. He said, y'all have any food? What else are we going to do? Here I am. Told you suckers I was going to be back. Here you are up in this room. Here's the hole. Might as well eat. That's what he said. Hey, Pope goes, says a wonderful speech, says, thank you. Have a great lunch. He's just like, Pfft. I can't believe he said that. So this dude tweeted. The Pope tweeted. <laughs> Instead Instead of blessing them and the Most Holy Father and Mary and everybody else that they quote, and I'm, you know, I'm not saying anything against that, he said in his first tweet ever, pray for me. Come on, man. I could have said a lot of religious mumbo, gumbo, whatever, jumbo. He said, just pray for me. Dude. Uh, if we added all that up, who does that sound like to you? Come on, Josh. Who's it sound like to you? Who's this man walking like? Who's this man acting like? Who's this man talking like? Who's this man emulating? Who is he? Yeah. Same people we are, right? He's very relevant. This dude won't wear the adorned clothes. He won't get up on the platform. He won't do it the way they say to do it. He does it his way, and it's effective. And I'll be darned if it ain't very attractive. And people now, see, you don't understand. The Catholic Church, dude, they have had the lowest numbers in recruitment ever. Hey, anybody signed up to be a priest? Raise your hand. I didn't think so. Uh, I wouldn't have picked this job a long time ago. But God kind of eased me in. Maybe slid some things past me. I don't know. No, it is never that way. Let me tell you, though, this dude had a track history of bringing people in. He, he was from South America, and in the Jesuits, man, he was loved by people, loved by people. Uh, did y'all ever hear of a story of, um, it's a long time ago, I don't know the year, but Boston College won the NCAA uh, national football title, and a guy named Doug Flutie threw a Hail Mary pass. Well, you know, Boston College defeated a big college called Miami, and Flutie's only like about 5'7 or so, and he played for, I think, Buffalo, and he came back and made another return. And the dude was just amazing. But he literally just flung it like Danny White used to, or Roger, you know, and, and then won the game. But I didn't know it was a Catholic school. And all of a sudden, recruitments went up like crazy after he did that, kind of like Johnny Manziel winning the Heisman. Uh, Kerrville's going to get some recruitments. A&M's going to get some recruitments. And so is Tyler, where I'm from, because he was originally from Tyler, just because the dude's notoriety, just because the dude's name and all the stuff that's associated with him. So they called it the Flutie Effect. Because they went up a little bit, but then the Catholic Church has been dying. Does anybody know the number one? Caleb, you can't answer this because I know you're going to cheat. You know this by heart. Statistically, what's the number one rising head of all of them, if you want to say this, religion? A group of people. Let's put it that way. Islam's up there. 
But the number one fastest growing one is atheism. Atheists and agnostics. He remembers this because I didn't preach it one time. I wonder why. But now this dude showed up, this pope, and people are like, I, I mean, it, 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 uh, today I turned on the news, and a lady that had left the Catholic Church that went to a non-denominational, she said she was almost giving up on everything. And now, the way this dude walks, the way this dude talks, what this dude is doing is giving him a, a resurgency that they've never had before. And he's changing everything. He's changing everything about it. Because he's the Pope, he can. Now I'm just going to throw some facts out to you about sheep. We are talking about the lost sheep. Now I didn't know this, and I don't know if you did, but sheep are pretty funny creatures, animals. They flee, they do never fight. So I can see that. They band together, their strength are in their numbers. But I didn't know they had best friends. The sheep are pretty close to one another, kind of like a body, you know, members. Um, they can remember 50 faces up to two years. So they're pretty much acquainted with, I guess, each other and their shepherds. 50 faces up to two years. So what I'm getting is they're, they're connected intimately through relationship with their shepherd. And it's crazy. They said that they, <laughs> my wife was telling me this one thing. This guy can call them. The, the shepherds actually named them, you know, different individual names. Bob. Hey, man. You get lagging a little bit. Come over here, man. And honestly, she said they can call them by name and Bob will come out of the crowd. What's up? Hey, man, you need to, you need to kind of get along a little bit more. You're getting behind. The, the sheep will actually come to him. I was like, nah. Come on. They remember unpleasant experiences. They have a very, very uh, candid memory. So what that means is if they're lost, they're feeling all the emotions. They're feeling everything. They remember when Shepherd said, Bob, get your butt in the front instead of the back. And they remember the relationship they had with the shepherd. And then they go through the, the experiences because they remember everything while they're lost. Um, they feel is what it was saying. They miss this shepherd. I didn't know they never walk a straight line. They always turn. And they look, they got a 180 or it's even more than 180, I think. It's, it's almost, it's not 360, but it's an incredible span because they're always doing this. Looking who's coming. But they actually, they never, I didn't know they never walk a straight line. I was kind of like, uh, I wonder what they're going to be thinking I'm saying when I'm talking about these sheep and we're the body. And <laughs> that, I'm not talking about us, folks. <laughs> they have excellent hearing but poor vision. They hear everything. But I guess that's why they always look behind them because they can't see a blooming thing. Is that a wolf? What do you think, Bob? <laughs> okay. They have an amazing pain tolerance but they will never show weakness because they don't know if a wolf's looking. I'm like, man, I mean, t tell me y'all didn't know this. Y'all didn't know this, right? Okay, because <laughs> I didn't know any of it. Uh, okay, that was cool. So, you know, 
When you think about this guy, and you think about this new pope, and you think about now it's after Easter, and you think about all these things that I put together, we're going to put it all together now, because if you could see yourself like I am throwing out this example of this guy, well, I'll just tell you this. We talked before. You have a ministry of reconciliation. You have been called to go and preach to the one. And you have the empowerment of Christ Almighty who died and then said to you, now I send the helper. Now I'm on the inside of you. And everything I did, you will do in even greater. And you don't have to worry about nothing. You have empowerment from Easter. And instead of letting that die down and everybody's just like, what happened to Easter? Um, you got to find yourself in these stories. And you got to learn why it's the heart of this father to go after the one like we're saying. See, back to our main. Let's, let's, let's look at this bet. Go to Luke 15.4 and we'll really start preaching. Uh, let's look at Jesus. This is the guy that eats and receives sinners and publicans. Public figures, I don't know. They always say tax collectors are sinners. Uh, Taylor educated me a long time ago. I am a uh, preparer. So he's not in the category of the sinner of the tax collector. He's in the preparer category, which I guess is on the good side. Especially if you get a big return, you love him. If not, then he might be a sinner. Um, Jesus receives sinners and eats with them. What man of you... Wait, did I say that right? Oh, 15.4. Oh, I might have given you the wrong scripture. I did. I did. Uh, it's the second one, Beck. It's the other one. What manner of man receives sinners and eats with them? And not only that, he makes the scribes and Pharisees mad and angry. Did I give you all the wrong scripture? I might have. It's up at the very beginning of it, maybe 15, 1 or 2. But we don't have to go there. It's okay. See, this man receives sinners and eats with them. He made the scribes and Pharisees mad and angry. They complained. See, what I want you to see in this and all that I've laid out is these guys, these, these religious figures were so stuck in the Old Testament. They were so stuck in religiosity and legalism. They couldn't, they couldn't receive this. In fact, the Old Testament was so embedded in them that they remembered Psalm 1-1. Blessed is, the man, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path or paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. See, Old Testament taught them to stay away from the sinful nature of a person, but then they skipped a few psalms that said, receive them back to righteousness and have the heart to win them, that David said. They were real religious, like we used in the example of the Pope and what he's changing as far as the, the traditions. But the New Testament, you understand, when we preached this foundation and we preached all about 99 and 1, land of the lost, and everything we talked about, you have to have the great commandment and the great commission themed and intertwined inside of you. And it takes time. It takes time to get the Father's heart for this thing. But to go after the one and leave the 99, let me just tell you this. I love what he said. I'm going to say it one more time. This is what he told his, or he told his cardinals and he told his priest. Go look for the lost sheep. I think this is like his first week. And he said to him, he added this, but when you come back, you better smell like those sheep. Now, to me, you know when a shepherd loses a sheep, you can only imagine 
the, the father's heart. We said it, he had a sense of urgency. What was so valuable about that sheep? But you know, when he left, he didn't know where that sheep ran off to. Heck, if I lose my kid, I don't know where they're at. I lost one a day. I thought he was at a track meet. Track's over. He was up there watching baseball or something. I don't know. And I went through some of these feelings. I'm going to kill him. Doesn't he know to come home? I'm over in comfort with half the boys, and I'm thinking all this stuff. So the first thing you do is you go through all those emotions. Then you, you, know, then you start praying. Then you start thinking about how you're going to lay hands on him when he gets home. But if I had to go look for him, which I would, I've done it before with another one. We won't point him out. He's back over there, though. <laughs> uh, here's where you got to go. You got to be willing to go to some dark places. Hey, man, the sheep ain't going to run off in the middle of the field and be out in the wide open. They're going to get lost in some nasty situations in some dark places and places maybe you don't want to go. And you got to be willing to get a little dirty, if not go some places and be around some people maybe you're not comfortable about being around. But that's what the, sheep, that's what the shepherd does. That's why he said you better smell like them when you get back. Oh, it's easy to go get the ones that are easy. No, no, no. I love the ones that show up in MMA gym. I love that. Had some the other night showed up in there that I met one time before, and I just went over and started doing some exercise with them, and I made a joke. And uh, one of them was about to die because exercise I showed him. And I said, hey, man, it's all right. Just take it slow. <laughs> you, you'll get better as you go. He's looking up at me, face wide as it goes. And I just, I mean, the dude had a crazy mohawk, dude. I was like, that's amazing hair. He's like, my other friend's over there about to die. I said, man, I need a cigarette. I said, well, just wait. Do the cigarette after the next set. I didn't say, don't smoke, you're going to die. I said, hey, man, it's okay. I understand. But we got another set of this circuit that I'm going to try to kill you, and you're never going to want to smoke again, but I'm not really going to tell you that. Because the better you get in shape, the more you're going to get that out of you. But I didn't condemn him. I didn't say, uh, uh, we can't do that here. Uh, excuse you, sir. Don't say that. No, I said, hey, just do one more set and then go hit you a cigarette. And then you probably really feel bad because <laughs> you're about to throw up anyway. But anyway, that's my muck and mire. So now, heart for the lost takes persistence, folks. It takes urgency. It takes rejoicing together with friends and neighbors. I mean, who does that? Who calls together all their friends and all their neighbors when one person comes in and repents? I say it's a guy with the heart of a father that went after and spent some time and had to go through some stuff to get that guy. See, if you're going after that one and you've worked your tail off, uh, what's going to happen? When he shows up at church... Hey, man, you, you know what? You ain't even mad if he shows up at another church, right? Because we ain't about that. I got a brother over here that walked in backwards when he first came. I said, dude, that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And now he does it with some flair. I'm like, I wish I could do that like you. I'm going to walk sideways. <laughs> but that brother, ooh, I, he got baptized the other day. Now he's just walking on cloud nine, man, because I see the difference. Okay? I wouldn't be offended if he went to another church. He's in church. So if you go after this one and you have done some things and he gets it, you're going to be the one rejoicing saying to all your friends and all your family and then saying, hey, I know who else is rejoicing more than 99, right? Okay. Now, that sounds like the church to me. I found my sheep that was lost. 
I'm going to bring it all together. Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite preachers of all, he said this, and I want you to listen to this. And, and think of Jesus in this situation, okay? This is what Jesus did in this scripture about being around the sinners and being around the publicans and being in all of that. You got to see how Jesus did it because Jesus was the example. And the dude could literally go from one culture to another culture and never miss a beat. He never failed anything. He never, uh, he never gave in to anything. He was himself. In so many ways, the, the new pope emulates a lot of the things I think we should be. Very relevant guy, very down to earth, very humble, and yet very attractive but very powerful. And walks in love and walks in humility. Okay, Spurgeon said, he took pains to put himself where he could come into communication with them. Jesus put himself in a position in the muck and the mire. Because he knew they were lost. Make no mistake, he came for what? The lost. He came for the lost. Right? Okay. But he exhibited such kindness. And toward, I mean, towards them in the crowds that they drew near him. Now, this is what's funny. I like the way Spurgeon says it. It's so <laughs> powerful, but you know what he said. He said, it must have been a strange-looking assembly disreputable, rabble, it made the Lord Jesus stand out. It must have been a very strange-looking assembly, disreputable rabble. You know what I think he was referring to was Jesus sitting right in the middle of the prostitutes and the drunkards and the tax collectors. He said it must look like a pretty messed-up assembly, and it must have made Jesus really stand out. So I just often think of some of the situations that we've been in where we should stand out. Not because we got the adorned clothes. Not because we got something that's just kind of, you know, we're trying to be something we're not. No. What about what he said about this, this kindness and love? Maybe just right up in the middle of them. Being himself. Like I'm in the gym. When Sean and I are in there torturing each other and these guys are over there. And I'm like, hey, man, you want to join in on this? Yeah. Now, I know I'm, we're almost going to kill him. He's going to be really open to accept love because of the, the workouts we're going to do. But we're just being ourselves. And we're just in the middle of it. And I'm telling you, there's just something attractive about being yourself, but walking in power. There's got to be something different about you, especially when you're going after you won. So I'm going to close with this. I skipped all over my notes. Um, if y'all ever seen the movie Jerry Maguire? I haven't seen that in years, and all of a sudden I'm in my prayer closet which is my bathtub. And uh, that's where God speaks to me the best. Because if I'm using the bathroom, I got people knocking on the door. Dad, what are you doing? What do you think I'm doing? Can I have a moment? So I go hide in the bathtub. And that's where I hear Jesus. <laughs> I still, I'm in my prayer closet. Glory to God, would you go away? It's true. <laughs> but um, Jerry Maguire is what he popped in my head and I was going to name it Jerry Maguire and I was like nah, ain't nobody going to know what that is I've seen that movie in forever and Tom Cruise whatever somebody else it was uh, Renee Zellweger but mama said you know it's after Easter now what and I thought yeah that's, that's right because man this thing should never die out um, if we're going after the one but Jerry in this movie 
this is Tom Cruise's uh, role. He was a pro athlete agent, and he was on the top of his game for years. And finally, one day, he just gets a revelation. He's like, you know, this is, this is just ridiculous. We're getting all this money, and we're cheating these people. We're talking all this inaccurate stuff, and it's just not true. And he wrote this little memo, and he sent it out in his office and all his athletes. And a lot of his athletes were pretty impressed with his, his truthfulness, his, that he was, you know, that he had the, the, the ability to say the truth and admit some things. And so a new guy comes up in the, the, uh, the agency, and he's got some name Sweets or something. <laughs> he talks a good game. He looks good. He's got all the clothes. He's flashy. Talking about all this money he can make these pro athletes. See, what I told you before about the number one statistically fastest growing group of people, religion, if you want to say per se, was atheism. It looks good. It looks flashy. It looks easy. It doesn't require the stuff that we got to go through to lay your life down, to walk in love, to pick up your cross, and to walk in victory, and to do what it takes to fight by faith. It's, it's hard. This other thing, it looks great. It's the new guy. It's flashy. It's got a good talk. Sounds good. New agey. But it's just not the same. So, oh, oh, uh, Jerry, he goes out to the, to the office. He goes, I'm leaving. Who's with me? This one little single, single mother in the movie was Renee Zellweger. She goes, okay, I'll go. Because she got his memo. She's like, yeah, I like, I like what he said. And um, he had one athlete, one that he was going after. And Cuba Gooding plays this guy named Rod Teasdale or Tisdale for the Arizona Cardinals, a wide receiver. And so he has to go after this one, and he has to market himself to this guy because this guy does not believe him. Now, he knows the memo. He says, yeah, you're clean, and you're coming truthful, and you're going to be a goody guy, but what are you going to do for me? And so Cuba is playing this athlete. <laughs> Basically, Jerry McGuire, if you haven't seen this movie, please go get this movie so I can understand that maybe you understand what I'm saying now so they don't feel like you haven't seen Jerry Maguire. Have we seen some of y'all seen Jerry Maguire? Okay, go get the movie after this. <laughs> so, so Jerry has to go where he goes. He has to have a relationship, and he has to work for the relationship for this guy to buy into the fact that now Jerry has turned a new leaf, and he's going to actually get this $11.2 million that this boy wants from the Arizona Cardinals. So, oh, Rod puts him through the ringer. He's in, one sh- in the shower scene. One time he's in the shower, and he's like, he's like hey, he's, what are you going to do for me? Are you doing this? And Jerry's like, yeah, I'm doing everything I can. He's like, I don't think you are. And so finally he says something. He goes, Jerry, he goes, you're hanging on by a thread, man. And so Jerry's just almost begging him. He goes, but you know what? He goes, he goes, he says this to him. He goes, you got the coin. He goes, some dudes have the coin, but they'll never have the guan. And Jerry's like, what's that mean, guan? He goes, love. He goes, you really do love me. And then all of a sudden, he said, man, Jerry was like having to work after his one. He had to go to his house. One night on the phone, Rod called up Jerry, and he said, show me the money, Jerry. And Jerry was like, and, 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 and Rod was just being himself in his house, all his family in there cooking fried chicken in the kitchen with his shirt off. He's like, show me the money, Jerry. Come on up here, Matt. Well, I'm going to tell you what he was saying. Now, Jerry was white. He didn't have any kind of, not that Matthew's white. I ain't picking on Matthew. He is. He is white. But he said, show me the money. He said, now I want to hear you say it. Say it. Show me the money. 
He says, you didn't say it right. Say it again. Show me the money, Jerry. Show me the money, Jerry. No, you, I'm Rod, man. No, okay. You guys, you're Jerry. You guys say, show, I am Rod, the athlete. You are Jerry. And I want you to prove to me, show me the money. Show me the money. And he made him say it over and over again. He had to be convinced that this man was going to represent him. And he had to have his heart, and he said, show me the money. Now, 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 hold on now. The reason I brought up Matt up here is Matt looks good in these clothes. Does Matt not look different? Man, he has got the goods. All right. What he was saying was, show me the goods. I got to see that you are who you say you are. Thank you, Matt. And that man is who he says he is. I see it every time I come into church. I see the passion on him everywhere I see him. It's the same. I don't think he could fake being something else because that's just who he is. He said, show me the money. He wanted to see the goods. He wanted to see if this thing was real because he's going to make him work because he's the one. He's making Jerry work for him. He wants $11.2 million. Now, Jerry's co-workers, man, they're touched by his honesty. Um, Rod tests his resolve in everything, through the conversations, through everything. He had to go through him and develop a relationship wherever he went. He had to hang out with the family. He had to go watch him practice. He had to watch him at a combine. And then all of a sudden, he's watching him play for his first game against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, how many people know the Dallas Cowboys are God's favorite team? Y'all better say yes and amen because I'm preaching. <laughs> now, he goes up in the end zone, catches this big old play, comes down, and this guy crushes him. Maybe it's Jenkins. Mike Jenkins, maybe it was a new guy, I don't know, since a bomb. Somebody hit him. And we didn't think, Jerry didn't think he was going to get up. Oh, Lord, my one is dead. My, my career, I'm never going to get another guy. He's got this new kid out of uh, NCAA, supposed to be a hot quarterback, watching all this, trying to believe that Jerry is who he says. And all of a sudden, Rod pops up, and they win the game. Jerry goes over, he hugs Rod, and they embrace. And all these teammates are watching Rod Tisdale and this agent on the field, weeping, holding each other. And all of a sudden, they go up to Jerry, and they say, hey, man, I got that memo. Man, I see. I see what you've done for Rod. And, dude, I believe it now. Can I sign with you? Can, I, can you be my agent? And so, from a business relationship to a close personal one, Rod gets $11.2 million at the end. I just ruined the whole movie for everybody. Jerry goes home and marries the girl, Renee Zellweger, and he picks up several other athletes when they saw him. That's it, folks. I don't know what else to say. Easter is over, so what's next? Well, you're going to have to work for your one. You're going to have to walk in a different way. You're going to have to go through some muck and mire in some places that I don't know, man, if you feel comfortable. Walk in backwards, man. That's what my brother does over here. Walk sideways. Walk a different way, but be yourself. Walk in the power and not your own ability because God gave it to you. And he will tell you and you will hear him on how to be relevant and what to say, when to say, and what to do, when to do. Don't try to make it happen. But, dude, I mean, if you ever want to get an illustration like Jerry, he had to work after his one. But, dude, people were watching that. People saw what he did for this dude. He had to scream, show me the money. Show me the money. All he wanted to do was see the goods. All he wanted to do was believe in Jerry. And Jerry got him. It took a little while, though. It wasn't easy. But he did get him. He won him. And then, man, when he got him, he got a whole lot of other people watching. And that's the way it is in church, folks. Jesus came for the lost. And now he's in us. And we're going to do the same thing. Not just one day a year, but every day. 
So go in that power. Go in that revelation. I mean, we're not done yet. We're going to lay some more foundation on this thing. And it'll get more creative as we go. But that's what God gave me. And so I thank this house. And I thank God that I get to do what I get to do. Because I love going out there and just being me. And I don't say much about who I am unless they ask something. And if it's right, I'll say what's right at the right time. If not, it'll just be me. And train them till they almost fall over. And then if they die, I'll raise them back to life. Because <laughs> I'm breathing hard pretty, pretty, pretty bad too. Let's go ahead and close it out. I thank you. Father, I just thank you right now in the name of Jesus. That your power is in us. That's what you did when you accomplished it on the cross. You finished everything. Every promise is yes and amen. And everything is available to us every single day. Because you're inside of us. And I thank you that you're creative. And I thank you that you give us the power to walk the way that we have to walk in, the, in any kind of revelation. Or just, we don't have to adorn ourselves. We just have to be you. And you live inside of us. And you got that love of the Father's heart on the inside of us. So we can understand the urgency. And we can understand the value of a person. And see past all the other stuff. And look in their heart. So Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for this word going deep. And if you believe it, say amen.